A few weeks back, I introduced you to Inertia from New Systems Instruments. And I mostly showed you how I was using it as a really crazy CV source. I think I also showed you how it could be used as a, a filter and a, a voice very briefly, but I didn't really mess with that aspect of it too much until recently. And I just wanted to share with you this patch that I made um, using the inertia as like a filter or it's, it's not really fair to say filter because I'm getting it like self-oscillating while it's filtering the, uh, the incoming signal from the Sync 3 from Starling. That's the, that's the voice that's coming in. And I'm just having that arpeggiate. Um, but yeah, I want to show you the, the sonic character of this because as much as I loved using it as a CV source, I'm starting to see like this is a really cool... I don't even want to call it a filter. It's just like a sound shaping mangler harmonic adding weird I don't know. But yeah, we're going to we're going to get into some pretty crazy territory here in a moment. But yeah, just once again, the inertia from New Systems Instruments. It's been really fun to just like keep unpacking this thing. It's a very dense and complicated module under the hood, but you don't have to understand how it works to use it because I still don't understand how it works. It has to do with physics or something, right? But yeah, we're gonna get crazy here for a second, but I just wanted to show you this before we got into today's Telling you, do not sleep on new systems instruments. All of their modules that I've played with are extremely unique and do really fun things and, and have multiple functions, um, especially the inertia. Um, slew limiter, weird CV source, weird in a, the best way possible, uh, a full, not a full voice, but a VCO and, uh, and filter. So yeah, check it out, new systems instruments, inertia. This week's episode of Podular Modcast is brought to you by Patchworks once again, the finest synth shop in the PNW. No one from the PNW calls it the PNW. I'm a little ashamed of myself right now, but I'm not ashamed to have Patchworks be the sponsor of this show. And hey, you know what you can pick up at Patchworks? The inertia from New Systems Instruments, but that's not all. They've got stuff from After Later Audio, Make Noise, Recovery Effects, Schlappy Engineering, Mystic Circuits, 4MS, Tip Top Audio, Instruo. I mean, do I have to keep going? Because I could. AI Synthesis. There's another one. How about that? Dopefer? Huh? Qubit? I mean, WMD? And maybe you're thinking, like, eh, I've got enough modular stuff. Well, they have 
other stuff too. They've got Novation if you want yourself something like a circuit rhythm, which I've been enjoying a lot. They've got the Hydrosynth, which I got from Patchworks. I bought my my own. I bought my very own Hydrosynth because I'm an adult. They also carry Zorks Electronics. I mean, come on, guys. I know I don't have to tell you anymore, but sometimes we need reminded. So if you need some synthesizer stuff, I highly recommend you head on over to patchworks.com. That is P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim, and this week we have Václav from Bastel and Peter from Casper on the show to talk about Soft Pop 2, the the new upgraded version of the Soft Pop. If you remember the Soft Pop from Bastel and Casper, a little uh, little semi-modular, just crazy noise-making synth, really really cool features well they've they've expanded these cool features and i think made a uh, a really special instrument and we're going to talk all about that in a moment but first i have some news to share with you so so let's get into it first up this hasn't been announced at all to the world yet so you're getting an exclusive right here but we have a new module coming out from after later audio and it's called carve with a q um, no conspiracy theories involved. Um, it's a four channel function generator, envelope generator, slew limiter, oscillator, filter, and bank of four VCAs that actually can be used as a full voice. I feel like my tone right there was like the tone of a mom explaining to a kid how fun something that clearly isn't fun is gonna be, um, but I can promise you that the carve is very fun. Um, all in 20 HP. So did you get that? Envelope generator, function generator, slew limiter, filter, VCO. Yes, it tracks one volt per octave. Four VCAs on it. That actually all normal into each other, so you could use it as a mixer. You could use it as a four-channel mixer with VCAs and onboard modulation if you want, because you can get each one of these envelopes or function generators self-cycling. There are two channels of bipolar oscillation um, that also have unipolar oscillation, and then channels one and four have unipolar oscillation and then have um, a five-volt output on channel one that can be attenuated, and then a 10 volt output on channel four that can be attenuated. I'm getting ahead of myself. Like I said, this thing is has not been announced yet. I believe it will be tomorrow though, Wednesday of this week. Um, and we're gonna have a cool video that I made out on that. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this module. It's uh, extremely useful, and it's one of those modules that would be great for a small case for a beginner, um, but also could definitely have a, a house, a home, not a house, a home in a, a larger, more professional setting. And speaking of homes, I'm learning that uh, buying a home that was built in 1911 um, is an interesting decision. I don't have any regrets. I just want to say no regrets. I love this house. It's it's shabby. 
It's definitely shabby. It's a fixer-upper, for sure. I've already had to uh, replace a toilet after I had a plumber come over. I had to dig a hole in the front yard. I told you all about that. Um, And then we got a really fun letter in the mail the other day saying that our home insurance um, won't cover us if we don't have the house painted and re-roofed by November. Um, Yeah, so that's going to be fun to try to figure out. All this is to say, I would really like to turn Podular Modcast into a video podcast as well, so everybody can see the lovely faces of our guests and my semi-lovely face as we have our chats. Um, you know, I think the demos will be much more fun uh, if you can see what I'm working with and all this. And uh, yeah, this, the, the equipment that I need is, uh, is rather expensive and will be hopefully funded from the Patreon. Um, so yeah, I need... I, 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 need to, I need to start working that angle more. So if you'd like to help keep the LEDs blinking and then upgrade the LEDs to uh, video switchers and stuff so we can, so we can get a, a cool cool video aspect, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Thank you to everybody who has signed up uh, since last week. There's a handful of you that, that heard my cries and calls to action last week. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, once again, patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Let's, uh, let's make 2022 the year that we level up here at Podmod. Um, I, I hate digital panhandling, but I got to do it. Let's talk to Bastel and Casper about the soft pop too. Um, all right. Will you guys just first, right off the bat, introduce yourselves so they can uh, put the name with the voice? My name is Václav. Is that what you wanted? Sorry, From and and you are the uh, the founder of Bastel. Yes. Right. Yes, okay. my name is Václav. I'm the founder of Bastel. I'm in Prague right now. Cool. Uh, my name is Peter. Um, I'm the founder of Casper Electronics, and I'm in Burlington, Vermont. You're in Burlington, Vermont? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I've been to Ver- Burlington. That's like, I think Vermont is my favorite place in the East Coast. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it, a- it definitely is. It's a fiercely beautiful state. It's so awesome. Yeah, and Burlington is such a cool little town. I want to go back so bad. I um I took the the little ferry across Lake Champlain from New mm-hmm. York into uh Burlington, but god, that was like 15 years ago or something. Yeah, it's everything is charming. It's like the ferry's charming, Burlington's charming. Totally. Yeah, it's It's all it's, charming. <laughs> I love that. Do you still have the thing where you're not allowed to have like billboards and road signs be over yeah. certain size? That's yeah, so cool. yeah, that's like in my DNA. I, I was born in Burlington. Okay. And I've returned after 40 years. But okay. yeah, like that, that no advertising, the no billboards really like got in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Oh my it's, God. It's pretty remarkable. Everything. Just for those who, for those who don't know, it's, it's illegal to have billboards. So you're just like in Vermont. So you're not inundated with like massive advertisements everywhere you go. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really cool. Yeah, it's also in Moscow, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's we have some really weird ones, like here in Washington, especially when you start getting away from the cities. Um, like a lot of weird religious ones that are like Mm -hmm. 
kind of confrontational or, or scary, you know? There's like, like ones with like burning burning letters be like, is this where you want to end up? Like like a picture of the devil is like, call this number to talk to Jesus or something. It's re- really weird stuff, but um, I don't feel like that's what we're here to talk about today. Or is uh, it? <laughs> yeah, we're we're pivoting now on Podmod. Right. So be- I always bring it back to to talking <laughs> to Jesus. So that's, that's, I can't help it. Well, I'm uh, I'm just so excited to have you guys on because I'm like the soft pop two is so much fun, um, and I want to get into that. But I've also just wanted to talk to you guys for a while to just generally to talk about the companies and how you got started. So could we maybe just do a quick. Uh, quick backstory behind Bastel and Casper and then move into the soft pop? Well, I think Casper goes way back, you know, more than Bastel does. So maybe you should start. Well, I, I, I can. I think mm-hmm. that Bastel has established more of a of an empire. So maybe you <laughs> could start. But um, I mean, Bastel is a proper... No, I don't know how to, how to, I don't want to summarize anything. Um, Casper has been sort of a personal project that I've put a sort of formal name on to make it seem like more than one guy, but it's really <laughs> just one guy. Um, but uh, I was like in, in sort of web 1.0 days, I set up a circuit bending website and because there weren't other ones um, and that really was sort of like my outlet and fuel for a long time. And I was just making lots of circuit bent stuff, custom work, and then started making products. Um, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I wanted to diversify things. I went to grad school and met Boslav and Monte. Um, and we decided to like see what would happen if we sat in the same room for a couple of years. Okay. Um, so you guys have maybe. been working together for a while, or? Yeah, it's it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, when did you move to Brno, or when? What was that? That was like. I think it was like six years six, ago. I think six years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I was living in Holland, where I went. I studied electroacoustics, and then just decided what the heck I'm going to move to Brno for a while. And yeah, we were working in adjacent offices for four solid years, five. And then I came back here a year and a half ago. Okay. Right on. This is not a very exciting explanation. Maybe you <laughs> should redo this or what, but I'll get, I'll, I'll get loosened up here a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, all the timelines are really blurry now with, you know, how the time time flow has changed. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this meme yesterday. That's like the classic meme of the guy with the open eyes and he like closes them and then he opens them again. And he looks really confused. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like a classic meme, but it says like. 2000 December 31st 2019 and then his eyes are closed and it says COVID and then it says January 1st 2022 and I was like that's just like so perfect it's just like yeah what like Vats and I were just talking about this before you got on Peter it's just like 
it's just such it's been so weird the last few years and yeah timelines and stuff are just it's it's i mean it was hard enough for me getting like getting into my my late 30s being able to keep track of memories you know that are over five years old and now with this it's just like totally jumbled yeah i mean and it's and that's a it's interesting how like these things have moved in such big blocks of time and I'm not, not to segue into talking about the soft pop, but this is another one where it's like, this is moved in chunks of like four years at a time or two years at a time. And it's interesting that like amidst the, whatever the, the but amidst COVID time, this really came to fruition long distance, which is a pretty, uh, I don't know if that's poetic in some way, but there's something there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. And before we get into that, let's, I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about um, how Bostel got started. Cause yeah, I've been a, I was just uh, talking again off mic that my first two, two out of three of my first modules were both Bostel, the, the knit writer and the grandpa. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> should we read, um, should we read, should, should we start over or just keep going? <laughs> Only if you want to. I, I'm I'm totally cool. This is a really uh, laid back format, very conversational, very little editing. Um, Good. But I I, th I think you did great. <laughs> but, if, <laughs> if, but if you feel bad about it, we can take it again. <laughs> or is there anything else that you wanted to add to, uh, to uh, what you had to say about starting Casper? No. <laughs> it could just be summarized better, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so bustle. <laughs> bustle now, bustle time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Mm, so in like 2011, we started with uh, my partner, Andrzej Merta. We started a project called Standuino. So that's like the pre-Bastl era. And uh, we made like few like very experimental uh, noise machines. And also through that, we met Peter maybe what, 2012 or 13 or something like that. Uh, and then in 2013, we kind of rebranded to Bustle Instruments because Standuino was, it, it was like very like complicated project to explain because we were both in art schools and, you know, it's just that that's how your brain works. But then uh -huh. <laughs> eventually we understood that we're actually a company. So we better like, you know, structure it that way. Uh, so uh, we started basically making some rather cheap, um small boxes that were called the trinity that were followed by the micro granny 2 which was our kind of first big product and uh yeah i mean we started as this like very diy um cheaper end of the spectrum company because like back then the range from like what like 50 to 200 dollars or euros there wasn't many things you could buy Mm -hmm. So that's some somehow like what what got us really started, and yeah, then since we made the micro granny, which is a granular sampler, it's that is very lo-fi, and that's what the grandpa module you got was based on. Mm -hmm. 
So people somehow really liked it and they still do, although it's like super, uh, I don't know, outdated feature-wise, but it has like very specific lo-fi sound and people still buy it and love it. So that's cool, I guess. And uh, then, uh, yeah, at some point we started to make modules um, because that's kind of like what everybody wanted, but none of us were able to afford buying them <laughs> so that's kind of how we started uh, with, with the modular range also a lot of it uh, as diy kits uh, and uh, i mean in the in the dna of bustle is that we did a lot of diy workshops which is something we really share with peter this like diy and sharing spirit uh, and uh, we knew about each other we were in touch like you know since since we've met in the uh, in netherlands in maybe 2012 i don't i don't remember exactly maybe like 10 years ago and uh yeah at, at some point some maybe six years ago Peter came to see us in brno see the see the place and uh, then uh, we started working together he moved in we started working together and we made quite a lot of stuff already but uh yeah it's it's kind of amazing that the best stuff we've made together is been done like remotely in the past <laughs> in the past two years or so but yeah this is where we are that's yeah the the working remotely thing is really interesting especially like so i'm not an engineer so i'm i'm, I'm gonna have some newbie questions but um i feel like working on stuff that has analog circuitry would be extra hard remotely. Cause you can't just send a file. Are you like, you're both like breadboarding and hopefully is that how you, I mean, is that how you do it? Are you both kind of sending each other schematics or diagrams of how to do something on a breadboard and then like getting on zoom and making check, <laughs> checking your work together. Like, do we have the same thing wired up here or how does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, we, we, we sort of do a bunch of different things. So we will look at the same designs. And I think from the time that I was there, it sort of made some of these processes easier. Like we're working on circuits that we both are really familiar with and have, you know, discussed a lot. Um, so we're looking at the same schematics. We're, you know, leaving a million and one Git comments and issues. Uh, trying to like organize our thoughts in some way. And then ultimately, you know, eventually they, there needs to be an actual PCB that's ordered and assembled and then they send me one mm -hmm. and I tweak it and then make some changes and then they send me another, um, which sounds kind of laborious, but it's actually, it's like fast and cheap to ship from the Czech Republic to the U S. Mm -hmm. So okay. it actually, I get stuff in like three days and it's like, that's wow. faster than I would see stuff when I lived there a lot of yeah. the time. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Peter usually makes, and I also, we make both changes to the schematics and then we both like hack our units or modify, modify it on the breadboard and test it. And because we both do it, it's kind of double tested, although it really requires more of a structure and, you know, keep track of all the changes. So I guess that helped us to in a way work in a bit of a less chaotic and impulsive way which mm -hmm. i don't know it's good and bad <laughs> yeah yeah do you find that the the distance is helpful or a, more of a 
block or any, you know, is, is it, does it pose problems or? I, I don't think it's a necessity, but I think what Václav just mentioned, you know, that it um, makes it a little less chaotic does count for something. And also for better or worse, I think a real common topic that you encounter with modular synthesis and with inventing instruments and synthesizers is, is sort of this, uh, overabundance of options and the sort of analysis paralysis feature creep mm -hmm. and so on feature creep and there's yeah. there's just always so many options so this is kind of enforced a bit of like necessary simplification of parts so that in a sense does feel really helpful i don't feel like it needs to be that i'm remote if we could do that in person that would be probably even better but um somehow the equation kind of works out mm -hmm. that makes sense uh, yeah I yeah, and I think helped. also something that kind of helped a lot is that like Bustle has released like a lot of like very simple modules, like almost like Depfra style, like simple, mm -hmm. always with some tweaks. But like there was like this pool of uh, circuits that were tested and like we've, we've been able to use them and also make patches on our module systems that we might want to develop into more complex modules. And that's also how the Ikaria filter got started. That's something really we released last year or like December. Of, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> a year in COVID time. It's a three year. Yeah. It's yeah. weird saying last year when it's the January 4th too. Yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. could mean last week. So. <laughs> exactly. So it, it wasn't last year. It was like two years ago, but not really, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Recent something. We released recently. It recently. Still, yeah. It's still for sale. Um, yeah. But I think sort of the, the, the topic of interest here for me is, you know, how, how to, to, to finally make a decision, like how to finally focus on one thing and then, you know, climb the mountain that like, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, which is always like five times taller than I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. um, but how to climb that mountain of work to then actually finish it, like having an idea and then and having a module in your hand or even better, like a module in a box that's ready to go to a store. That's, you know, that's a, a vast chasm or mountain, whatever mm -hmm. metaphor we're using um, between those two things. And ideas can come fast and free and easy and it's exciting and they inspire more ideas and that's exciting. But somehow eventually you have to stop. And yeah, I was I was stuck in that rut for quite a few years, which is kind of what got me to go to grad school to begin with, okay. was this sort of like, what do I make? What do I make? And it's not that there's no ideas. It's that there's just so many ideas. Right, right. Yeah, um, I was especially when you're. If... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, especially when you're working in a medium that encourages uh, more ideas and, and interconnection and like that you're always developing something new. Right, but right, sorry. yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, I was wondering if um, with stuff like that, especially like feature creep as an example, or knowing when something's done, or, or even like picking a direction when you come to a fork in the road, is that, uh, I could see it being, I could see it being like, uh, I could see it being easier as a, as a collaboration, but I could also see it maybe being harder as a collaboration. Like, I mean, you guys have known each other a while, I'm sure you have a good workflow, mm. but like, does that, mm. does does having it be a collaboration keep it on the rails in some way, do you think? 
Well, Václav's a provocateur and an instigator. <laughs> so whenever it's done, he always says, hey, maybe you should change this. And then he has really good reasons for it. And uh-huh. He gives me a really good argument. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, it's not done. Okay. <laughs> um, but sorry, what, Václav, what's your take on that? I mean, now, now that we're talking about it, uh, it, it feels like, you know, having like these structured conversations in like, in a, like an issue tracker, uh, it feels like you just like lay down the arguments as clearly as you can. And then we both, you know, have time to think about it and we don't have to like act like emotionally. We just like both have the time to like let it sit and really think through the things. So when, when it comes to like discussing like these things that, you know, sometimes like you feel very strongly about it, but that's because like you have invested a lot of work into it. So then mm-hmm. like maybe in that sense, also being in a different time zone might help to like let those ideas, like, you know, let, let them sit a while. And I don't know. So that makes true. sense. Yeah. Just- yeah. I mean, and we're always kind of going between this like hyper analytical, almost like computer thinking of like features and strengths and weaknesses. And then this like very emotional creative practice where, you know, we're making these things that are expressions of our inner voices and souls, but then it also needs to, you know, function correctly. So we're, you know, we're, it's an interesting relationship and, and, and it's a, a deep one. <laughs> like it's not Definitely. a casual relationship, you know? Definitely. I, yeah, I, well, I, I kind of imagine it being, a um, like being in a band. Like I, I assume I that so. you guys have worked with other people on music projects, um, yeah is it is the collaboration similar you know i i've had i've had great partnerships with writing music and i've had ones that didn't work out so well mm. and it's you know it's all about the communication and the workflow that you guys can get into mm. together um but yeah do you see any is is there much um similarity there between like being collaborative with cuz like ultimately this is a piece of art the stuff that you're making it's tools for artists but i think at the level that you guys are creating it, it is in, in itself a piece of art. I think we both lean into the art aspect of it. It needs to be a product and it needs to be a functional tool, but we're both artists. Um, mm-hmm. I like that it's art that's grounded in accountable like functionality, like it needs to work and you can't just mm-hmm. make abstractness, but it still is art. But yeah, Vatsov and I are both solo musicians and I think it's probably partially because it is so hard to work with other musicians. But, yeah. I've been collaborating quite a quite a lot recently, but right, well, he's better I, at I, me. I, I, I would say it's maybe like you know when, when you're using like this um, band analogy, it's maybe like making pop music, because like in the end you're making a product, and there is like the thread, there is the audience, or there is like you know the people you're making it for who who are a big consideration. So whereas if 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 you're a band or if you're like independent. You are always like fuck it. I do it for myself, or like my 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 opinion matters the most. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, often here we also ask other people in the company or make like little surveys about like you know what what, what other people think. Uh, so there is always like this like third uh, third entity. It's not just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more the more people that you have that you trust to bounce these things off of. I mean, again, using a, a musical ex, uh, analogy, but I like to send mixes to a couple people, 
yeah. people that I trust who I know that will give me, they won't just say, oh, it sounds good. They'll, they'll give me actual feedback on it. And it's good to have those people. Um, it's, we've had to really foster like useful feedback. Yeah. Cause you know, there's, there's productive feedback and then there's more just, you know, fun feedback that's talking to friends, but um, but yeah, getting really useful feedback is is something that I think we've really improved. Thoughtslaw's done made huge steps to uh, set up testing protocols and surveys and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, amidst all that, there's still there needs to be, and I think it's similar with the music analogy. You also need to stay true to your sincere voice. So like, mm -hmm. you don't want to pander to a market to the extent that you make something insincere. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So there's right. you know there's a balancing act going on, but um, definitely yeah for sure. I was going to ask like about analogy. that that kind of that that aspect that you just mentioned is like staying true to yourself, and then back to what Vatsoff was saying was like it's more like pop music because you can't just be a punk and be like I'm this is my art and I'm doing it for me. Um, I feel like there is some wiggle. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I get the sense that there's being in the the realm of uh, musical instruments that you guys are, you know, modular kind of experimental electronic devices, you know, smaller run companies. Um, maybe you have a little bit more wiggle room in that. It's that's the sense that I get from developers is like you can still be an artist and have something to say, you know, uh, a designer at Fender, you know, isn't, isn't doing much self-expression, but along the, the way of this of like, shout out to Fender. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a jazz bass behind me. You probably can see. Um, but like, is that something that's challenging for you for you guys as as designers? Like, thinking about it as a product, but at like, but also as an artistic project. Like, those are they they they're not mutually exclusive, but they they it takes different parts of your brains to be good at. <laughs> you know, those two things. Do you see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So like, do you ever find yourself kind of, does it ever get hard in that, in that aspect of thinking about it? Or do you, do you get anxiety or anything about like that aspect of it? I actually love the way it is like the same. I think like you can make like very sincere pop music and, you know, be successful in selling it. Uh, and like a lot of people do this, like, you know, all the experimental pop and hyper pop and stuff like that which is a lot of music that i i listen to and and i feel like this sort of like uh artsy uh attitude to making instruments it it, it kind of inhabits the same kind of space if, if that makes sense okay the same space is what uh like you know the same the, the similar way how you're balancing you know the artistic and the like the product uh view, view of like what, what you're what you're making so like you want to be sincere to the art but you also want it to be a good product that sells and uh i think i don't know uh i i think like the the market we're in is like amazing you know like there is like it's like very different to like a guitar market or, you know, because like most people that I've met that like play modular synths or synths are like very, you know, nice people, <laughs> which is like not true. I can say about a lot of guitarists. I know amazing guitarists, you know, don't uh -huh. get me wrong, but uh, I, I think like a lot of the people that, uh, you know, that uh, 
that appreciate like what what we're doing they're just like a really good audience to work work with and uh and then we've been really um i don't know I'm, i feel like we're very thankful to live in this in this particular era because it, it, it is possible you don't need to really like make i don't know dx7 for you know the masses so. mm-hmm. yeah that's what i meant about that wiggle room i think i think we're in a kind of a really unique sweet spot right now where you can kind of have both or yeah that's that's the way it seems to me yeah totally. um, um there's man yeah i mean these are these are two huge topics and i'll try to keep it to the point but they're topics that i think about all the time that we've talked about a lot and it's just there's it's such an unprecedented market right now where people are willing to actually pay for innovation and for the joy of experimentation and there's like a sincere interest in it to the extent that they you know it, it pays us and we're able to like act it, it actually fuels this kind of wild innovation that's going on right now mm-hmm. and it's not just you know some punk scene that's fueled by passion it's it's also you know it's a two-way passion people are really um they're on board to see what you have to offer so you build trust with your audience mm-hmm. by being sincere um, Definitely, yeah. And you build good products by respecting your audience, not just mm-hmm. by like filling some generic need. Um, and all of that is to sort of the first point about the the arts practices. You know, I don't see them in any way mutually exclusive. In fact, I think this is what I've wanted art to be. So you know, I came from a visual arts background my entire life and got into electronics as a way of making interactive sculpture basically but what i felt was missing was there was this this like you know post conceptual art like no accountability you can just do anything you can do absolutely anything at all (laughs) and you can do it great you know people can do absurd stuff really well but this 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 keeps you grounded in actually making things that work and maintaining a respect for the people that you make it for rather than saying, Hey, I just threw some crap on a wall and deal with it or don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Not to summarize the statement of art, of a lot of artists, no, but no, I, it's accountability. I totally get it. Ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I totally get it. I think I actually am projecting onto you guys because I've been, I've been very like, I don't know. I'm very like acutely aware of how often I'm being marketed to in all the different ways that I'm being marketed to, you know, through all, you know, social media, billboards, all that shit. And I feel very overwhelmed by consumer consumerism and capitalism, but on the same side of that, you know, on the other side of that token, I'm advertising for people. I'm trying, you know, I'm doing, and that's, that's my way of making this, you know, to keep this going because it's ultimately a free thing. And I'm trying to marry the two. I want this to this podcast to be an artistic expression and, you know, ultimately be art, you know, art and 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 honest and and genuine. But uh, uh, there's always a part of me that's feeling a little gross about the well, I mean, there's an onus there's an onus on us to find the path through this sort of necessary component that actually maintains that sincerity. And I think, you know, I do really think of it a lot like pop, what, what Vatsav was saying about experimental pop. So it might be something that's very easily marketed or it needs to fund itself 
in various ways, but it also, there's this string of, or this thread of sincerity in it. And that seems to be at the core of what makes this scene really worth, you know, really, uh, I don't know, so worthwhile and has so much momentum is that it's, it is extremely sincere. And that's yeah. sort of a commodity that I find in short supply uh, in a world filled with ads. Um, right, right. And because of that, I feel like, am I bringing in this, now, wow, I'm turning this into a, like a, a, a therapist session with you guys. <laughs> um, am I bringing some, some, you know, some black ink into this, this pretty pool by doing that? You know, these are things that I'm usually after like a, an edible is that's when those those thoughts really start going. Well, you just need more edibles. That's, yeah, right. We'll get you through it. Um, no, I would just, you know, again, argue that, well, I, I think Václav and I have been really, I don't know if it's fortunate or diligent um, in maintaining in the face of, you know, life's complexities and financial needs of actually maintaining uh, a, a, a sincerity that we think what we're making is worth making. And Definitely, yeah not just a vehicle for making money, but that also the money is such a necessary part that I don't even see it as an ugly thing. It's part of the exchange. It's part of what gives people this feeling of value in this thing that they were able to purchase or to get. So yeah. it's, you know, it's part of it. It's not just an ugly aside, um, but it should never be the the single driving factor. That's what makes insincerity happen. Right. You know? Yeah. I think, I think you just like really nailed the, the head there. That's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't think anybody's, you know, making, you know, like champagne yacht money off of any of this stuff. <laughs> no, and I think that's a real testament to the, 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 like the, I don't know, the value of the scene when you go to super booth and so on, you see who's making this stuff. Nobody's getting super rich. People are getting comfortable. Right. But, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and, and, and the, I, you know, people who work hard, I think deserve that comfort if they're, if, if they're working hard and providing, you know, things, these outlets that are really just like outlets of expression and joy for other people as a user, you know, playing with soft pop too, you know, over the, 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 the holiday break here was real fun. Just, just, you know, it was like you, it, it enhanced my holiday experience of hanging out on the couch with my wife for longer than we usually do. And, you know, and, and drinking, drinking Bringing couples together. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I had my headphones well, on, but uh. <laughs> I, I want to give Václav a chance. If, if you have anything else you want to say about this topic. Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, this, this whole like balance uh, of, you know, yes, we're making money, but like, you know, we're also making innovation. And I mean, I've been doing this for maybe like, 10 years now, like professionally, I haven't been really having other jobs. And I feel like now after 10 years, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want to say like, you know, I'm, I'm amazing or whatever, you know, but like, I feel like we're doing it right, you know, maybe for the first time or like, no, that what we've made was bad, but like, I, I like, I know it could be done better, but you really like need this time to, really develop uh, develop you know that sort of like strong uh, strong voice and bring something to the table that uh, hasn't been there before so uh, and you know like finding this balance also like in the company uh, has been like a long um, very long and ongoing uh, ongoing thing and uh, yeah I mean, 
it's uh yeah i'm I'm a really great flag i could i I can do this so i don't know what else to say (laughs) well i think just as an outsider um just to you know i feel like i've always viewed what you guys do as kind of like coming from an artist's perspective so that that is definitely that that's coming out that's in that whatever you want to call that that artistic um sincerity or whatever is definitely shining through with with your pro- your products and everything so um and what you see yeah. in this scene is is these artists who have found a medium where they're able to do it in a way that's sustainable and what's the most exciting about that is if I like what someone's doing, I want to see more. I want them to keep, Mm -hmm. I want to see them keep doing it. And when they don't plan correctly and they don't, you know, it's not sustainable, then they disappear. Right. And that's, you know, it's a disappointment. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you almost have a responsibility to your, to your audience that you are fostering to sustain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to the format, you know, like, I mean, how, how much, how much cool stuff is coming out every year because more people are throwing their hat in the ring and cooler, you know, more innovative designs are coming on and that's just pushing this, this community. That's, that's my sense anyways. It's just like seeing Mm -hmm. how many, if you go back, you know, even like five or six years and look at Eurorack setups, the modules are bigger and they do less things, you know, and that's not Mm -hmm. always bad. I'm not saying making things smaller and, and, you know, feature creep, like we were talking about earlier can be the death of a, uh, of a product, but like, I don't know. Things things are getting more innovative because I think there's just more artistic minds in this scene pushing things like that. And it's, it's it's as a just so as a spectator, as a consumer in this this world, it's it's very exciting. So I imagine being a designer in there's got to be pretty fun too. Like it's almost like you're in like a, a like a like a a competitive sports league or something, and you're one of the teams that's you know. <laughs> It's a collaborative sports league. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. a bad analogy because it doesn't seem that competitive. I love. No, sports. it's bizarrely not. It's mm-hmm. unprecedentedly not competitive. That's another Definitely. thing that I'm just kind of shocked by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with exceptions, of course, but yeah, but know, generally, and that's something we talk about. I've just beat that topic to death personally, but I'm curious to hear what what are your guys' thoughts on why that could be? Why is what makes this this different? This scene. I think part of it is that it's so niche uh, and also like the Eurorec format is like a relatively low threshold of what everything you need to master to actually make a product. Uh, so like you don't need to like design a housing, you don't need to really do 3D, you just need to like design a panel and it's all like 2D design. So if you know how to make circuit boards, then you can use the same method to make a faceplate and so, and uh, there's been like uh, also like this like 10 years ago there was like very little like open source stuff and now there is a lot you know so there have been like some people in the scene you know like emily from mutable that really uh, or befaco or uh, you know that have been really like pushing this um open source ethos and that i think really helped a lot of people to get get into designing it because like you could all of a sudden like see how things are made and with the Eurorec being this like low threshold format that that just uh, like attracted a lot of innovators and uh, 
also the scene is very supportive you know like we all trade modules with each other and like we all know that you know it's somehow better with you know other modules you know <laughs> i would only add to that which i think i i really agree with with Václav's observations there on, on the accessibility of the format um but that modular synthesis itself is about other modules it's about connection connecting and it's not that like some modules are better than others you need more modules for the system to work and that's like in its spiritual core and that expands into the like minds of the people who are involved in it so it's just you know from its outset it's about collaboration i really like that i haven't heard that one yet i'm gonna add that one to the to the toolkit that's really good i think you're i think you're right about that um make a, a yeah fridge magnet out of that i'm right <laughs> It's really um, good at these quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Just spits them out. That's a well, this is hours of staring in the mirror every <laughs> right. night and just <laughs> reciting. So, none, of, none of it is natural at all. Please pardon the interruption, but I need to tell you that support for Podular Modcast comes from Secret Aardvark Sauce. For chefs at any level looking to spice up old favorites or a newcomer in the kitchen, Secret Aardvark's sauces and marinades are the perfect partner in crime for that finely crafted moxie you can use time and time again. Truer words could not be said. They have seven flavors now. When they started, when I, when I first started doing ads for them, they only had four, and now they're up to seven flavors. Um... And I, and I highly recommend you try all of them. Um, there's combo packs on their website, secretardvark.com. There's also a bunch of really cool recipes on their website as to how you can use these, uh, these sauces. But let me tell you about this Magnificent 7 combo pack that you can order directly from their website. This package contains Aardvark Habanero, the classic, my favorite, the Serabanero, the Reaper, the Smoky Aardvark, the Red Scorpion fiery hot sauce and it also has the drunken garlic black bean marinade and the drunken jerk Jamaican marinade how does that sound well I can tell you it sounds good trust me head over to secretardvark.com to learn more about these great sauces well um I, I want to I want to start talking about soft pop now um, can we talk about the first one and then kind of lead up to to two and 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 like why is there a part two i mean i i think by just looking at the two i can see why but i kind of want to hear your guys' journey through that there's a lot of ways to come at it and there's i know it's very open-ended i realized but i kind of wanted to see if you guys would take it somewhere i I would like to hear Um, Vatsov's thoughts before i ramble i mean uh I was actually just writing some of these things down earlier today, uh, but um, I think it kind of comes back to Benjolin by Rob Hordaik, which was like one of the early uh, DIY open source projects that uh, existed in the in the synth world. And Peter has built several. I also built one. We we actually have met with Peter at Rob Hordaik's studio. We literally oh, cool. met like in in the room and like where he was sitting. So this this is where we first met, and I think we both have like high admiration for this sort of like design philosophy. It was 
I, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the project, but it has been adapted for Eurorack. But uh, for a long time, it existed as, only as a circuit board. And it actually has been designed that anybody can build it, that you can just like etch it on a on a single PCB. And it was also like bent by design. So there have been like a bunch of like labeled points on the, on the circuit board that you could like take and make it modular. Uh, but but the core of the Benjolin is just eight knobs, and that's it. And it's just oscillator, uh, sample and hold, another oscillator that triggers the sample and hold, and a filter, and the cross-modulation between those two, and it's like a chaotic instrument. And I I always like saw the soft pop that we made, the first one, as sort of like a, a, an upgrade to that idea. So it's uh, it 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 had like very similar like structure if you looked at it from 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 afar, but we added like few things to make it more musical or you know. It had the the little patch bay that was a sequencer, uh, um, and yeah, that that's how I kind of like see the the first soft pop coming to be, or at least like our common journey. But like soft pop is very much. Uh, uh, Peter's brainchild, so maybe he can. Um, I, I, sorry. I just I, I love that I love that it's uh, Benjolin inspired because that makes so much sense. Uh, Benjolin is, I think, one of the greatest pieces of musical gear I've ever played with. I love that thing so much. Um, it, I think it's a historically important instrument, definitely, and it's definitely. it's why I went to study in Holland was I wanted to work with Rob. And, you know, I got one of these things, it blew my mind. I say that about a lot of things, but in this case, it's accurate. Uh -huh. It changed the way I thought about a lot of things. And I wanted to get some of it. You know, I wanted to see how his brain worked. And so I spent a couple of years there and, you know, lurked around his studio a lot. Um, I think, you know, calling it an upgrade, I would, I would not say that <laughs> at all. I, 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 um, Rob is an absolute genius. Um, and what I would say is that it, it, it's very clearly inspired by it and it comes from a similar place and arrives at a similar destination, but it's, it's what brought it to that destination is more the, the spirit of what was so inspiring about the soft pop, not the format. It just happened to almost coincidentally. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, I can't believe I just made a soft pop, but it, it happens to have pretty much the same architecture, but mm -hmm. uh, with many notable differences. Um, but in any case, you know, I think what's, what's interesting here is not the number of oscillators and filters, but it's, there's, there's this unique character of, you know, why is, there's plenty of dual oscillator synths out there with filters. And in fact, this one has far fewer features than many, no VCA, no envelopes. But what is so remarkable about this, and what I think is sort of, quote, you know, bent by design, I, I always found that tagline to be a bit gimmicky. In reality, it's not, it's not bent, it's more showing you things that you didn't know were there. And it's, which is, you know, what I like about circuit bending, that you think it does one thing, but then it does another. So it's 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 showing you something that you didn't know, but it's it's more powerful than you could have imagined it would be. So it's not just like here's a weird noise. It's like here's a whole rich soul of things I didn't know existed, and they just work. And it mm -hmm. and this is what I've 
come to find to be one of the most challenging things of making instruments is that it works with very few variables. You know, it's only a few knobs and it's easy to make an instrument with 500 knobs. It's hard to make a really good one that only has a few, you know, three or four or five or whatever. Um, so, you know, first was this idea of something mainly simple that has a very real pulsing complex heart within that you aren't familiar with that has its own rules. Um, and where it then got like more nerdy or more specific to uh, synthesis was that it introduced me to this idea of scale, that there's things like that both oscillators can go like way into uh, sub audio levels, up into audio levels that like everything is sort of interchangeable. The filter is an oscillator. Um, mm -hmm. And by changing the relationship to each other, it creates a different sort of equation, a different behavior that's distinctly different. So like if yeah. the first oscillator is low and the second is high, it's one kind of instrument. If the second oscillator is low and the first one is high, then it's a different instrument. Mm -hmm. So just by adjusting, you know, one part of the system, you're affecting the whole system. So I don't know if that's too many words there, but that's sort of at the core that has, like, I think yeah. is o overtly, yeah. you know, informed the design of, of the soft pop and especially the soft pop too. Um, I think just like for for the non-engineers out there I I'm kind of a, I feel like I could be a partial interpreter of some of this stuff because I, I you know I work with um, after later audio and uh, Lenny worked with Rob t for the the v2 and stuff and then I had to do the the video of the v2 so I've spent a lot of time with the Benjolin and it's actually wrapping my head around that helped me wrap my head around just modular synthesis I think it made me a better synthesis by understanding not understanding, but getting how I can kind of make this thing behave and how important normalized, normalizing connections can be and how, how yeah. making relationships that yeah, are like well tuned. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, that kind of like things cross modulating each other and having normalized connections that can be broken with a Jack or whatever. I think that's just like, that's the most exciting element of, it's just like such a cool way to, to make, analog techn technology which is seemingly in the in the you know compared to digital technology is seemingly way more um what's the word i'm looking for like you can't you can't make as much stuff on a on a module sized device digitally or uh, analog because there's just not enough space for all the stuff even with smd stuff so with that normalizing and cross modulation you just add so much functionality well, and yeah, the, 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 the depth of functionality can be a product of the relationship of the functions, not the number of functions. If that right, makes right. Sense. Totally. You just said exactly what I was trying to say so yeah. much better. Yeah. <laughs> and talking um, about, talking about relationships, I think where the soft pop like kind of expands on it, at least from my perspective is that it's like fader based because mm -hmm. that way you can like visually uh, relate to the relationships a bit easier than if it's like knobs mm -hmm. because like if you just have a glance at the soft pop like I have one sitting on my table and like I would kind of know how it would sound right now but if the faders were in a different configuration I would just have a glance and I would know how it would sound so like having these like visual faders and so that kind of create some sort of curve or or an image I mm -hmm. think it uh, it really kind of helps uh, this idea of like really playing with the relationship type of uh, 
yeah, that you just like set the set, 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 set the faders in a certain configuration. Yeah, I, I I wanted to talk about the faders. So while we're on the subject, I think that's just such a great great way to invite the the user in to interact with it in a pl in, in a playful way. You know, so like this one thing that that has me very excited about this is. I'm just really into the more things that I can, the more pieces of gear that I can actually interface with, with my hands and, and make significant changes with, with my hands and actually guide a performance with my hands. It's very important. And I feel like this is a really very clever use of faders. And like when I first got it, I didn't know what the faders did or how, you know, but now that I know how you work, how they work, I'm, I'm with you. If I had it set up and I just looked at it, I could roughly tell, yeah, it's gonna, this is, this is, modulating that or whatever you know i think that's pretty nice well, i think that a, a, a big difference between the first one and the second one is in the 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 transparency or lack of transparency of the feature set and the immediacy of it and i think we made a lot of compromises to the immediacy in favor of an abundance of uh, uh let's say useful musical features um and and things that will steer you towards uh more conventional musicality um but the original you know the, the the first one was made to encourage this idea that you don't need to know what you're doing to do it yeah. and i think that was the final point i wanted to make about um what you were saying about the Benjamin sort of teaching you how to be a better synthesist is that it teaches you how things work but it also teaches you how to understand how things work <laughs> and exactly yeah well and, and to to kind of expound upon that is i was using the benjolin for a year before i had to make that video so i was just i was literally using it just as somebody who was fumbling around and then i figured out oh okay i can do this but then once i actually learned how to use it i could take what i already knew about it but maybe I didn't know I knew just because I had played with it. I was just exploring with it. Didn't look at the right. manual, any manuals and, or anything. And that's and, just, at, yeah. Sorry, sorry, please. I keep in no, no. I, I think I think that's that's what I loved about looking at the when I got the 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 start guide for the soft pop. It was like I forgot the wording of it, but it was basically saying like, "This is the manual, but come back to me later. Go play with soft pop for a while." And then come back to me. And I just, I loved that because that's what I do with gear anyways. Um, so something that was kind of inviting the user to do that, I think I just love that angle because it just invites so much exploration and it puts the person, it puts the artist using it in a situation where they might actually find themselves on a road or a path that they, they wouldn't have gone down had they started with the manual. Well, and that's not secondary. I mean, that's at the core, you've done a lot of, interviews with with people in the modular synth world and i imagine it comes up at various points that it it shows you things you didn't expect that it takes totally. you somewhere and that's not just an aside that's actually at the core of its you know of its value that's so the sense that, was that what, i get from it yeah and that's mm -hmm. what i really learned from from rob and from uh the pendulum is to to develop a new vocabulary to understand new kinds of functions that i can't define as an engineer but I'm an engineer, so I also wanted to learn everything. <laughs> right, right, so, yeah. <laughs> um, and then made this new instrument that was, you know, it was it was extremely personal. It was very emotional. Um, there's sort of a whole like dramatic backstory to it that 
Um, well, I guess I don't I, really need to get into, but I mean, um, I would love to hear it if you want to share it. <laughs> there's just tales of, of love and heartbreak. And yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> as I was, I don't know, you know, there, there were some ups and downs, but um, yeah. all of that to say that it was serving a purpose beyond just making an, uh, uh, something to sell. It was, it was part of like understanding exploring new feelings I have in my life using the medium that I know, which is synthesizers. And I was kind of like blown away. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm talking about love with synthesizers. And I'm, there's all this yeah. poetic stuff going on in there. And it's a bit, you know, indulgent and uh, doesn't translate to everyone, but it actually is there. You know, that like the two, the two voices create something in the middle that's greater than the sum of its parts. And like, that's love. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's all a bit, you know, that's the sort of the behind the scenes, uh, story here. Exclusive. Well, that's, that's, um, I mean, I, I love, I'm so gr glad that you brought that up because that's the, this is the type of stuff that I was hoping when I started this podcast that we would, this is the ground that I was hoping to cover. And we have in various ways of just, because I found myself thinking about just like approach my approach to life or mental health or anything was, it was is very, very much been shaped by working with modular synthesis, you know, being coming a modular, especially the, the idea of impermanence and an expectation. I mean, the classic Buddhist things I feel like are just the number one lessons in Eurorack. And when you're learning I'm those nodding. lessons, <laughs> when you're learning these lessons daily with patches, it's kind of like a daily exercise of, you know, mindfulness or something. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give it that much credit, but, but maybe it deserves it if you're using I it. Deserve, I, I think it deserves it. Cause you do find that's a, a thread that runs through people's, uh, what they have to say, what they feel is important to say about modular synthesis often touches on that. That is mm -hmm. taught teaching you something about impermanence, for instance. Yeah. Um, I used to record and release everything before modular. And now I rip out patch cables out of a giant patch multiple times a day without recording. And that is a per part of my personality that needed to change and that did change thanks to this practice. So that mm -hmm. that's just a small thing that, you know, yeah. So, yeah, and, and we, we, uh, we all use different mediums to talk about life's topics. And, mm -hmm. you know, it could be dance or painting um and once in a while in this weird field of electronics that is the medium you can use um now to segue into the, the sopop 2 um <laughs> that all of that said you know this very personal statement presented a lot of things that i felt and i think Václav felt and other people felt has real value and it's sort of a message people want to hear but i wanted to do it again really listening and having more empathy for someone who's not me and not exploring love maybe or something, but you know, <laughs> more conventional musical settings. So we, we said, you know, let's take what's so strong about this, you know, all these lessons, all these things we just talked about, but let's, you know, give it MIDI control or let's really think of how to make it also meet people halfway and, and be musical in, in sort of a classic sense. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that was sort of the seed that kind of started this is like, great, I love it. It sounds crazy and normal, but once in a while, maybe I want it to be in tune. You know, like simple thoughts like that kind of snowballed dramatically into this very like dense, feature heavy, um, weird synth. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I, and something that I wanted to ask at the outset, you know, before we started talking was, and I haven't played with soft pop one, so I don't mean this. I don't mean this in any sort of slight to soft pop one, but it does seem like when you look at them side by side, it seems like a rough draft version of part two, you know, but I don't know if that's true. Cause it looks like, you know, there's the speaker, there's the battery power, and then there's the mini mm. patch bay, which I think mm. for some people, all of that could be something that they really loved about it. That this, the new version doesn't have for me personally, having the 3.5 millimeter patch bay, um, mm. and everything is just like, I'm just really excited. I'm so excited. I can power it off of my, my USB battery too. Cause I love bringing my synth camping and going in the woods and making videos. So this is like, this is now a piece of that arsenal, which I'm very excited to, to have. Um, where was I going with that? But yeah, like, I, I'm curious of like, where do you guys just so happy with soft pop? and then just kept using it where you were like, you know, we should change this. You should change this. Or was it like user suggestions or how did, how did part two become like an idea? I guess it comes from, from the point that like, we probably knew at some point we could do it better and uh, we could like, because like we knew what was great about it, but we felt like, you know, it's good, but we know how to make it better like now because like you know since we made the first one we gained a lot of experience made a lot of other stuff and then like when we came to revisit it there was like a lot of new ideas that we really wanted to explore and uh, i think uh, there is like a lot of musicality at the core of, of of the new design that that has like a lot of the emphasis so for like from the first look when when you compared the two there is this like whole sequencer section that that is like the biggest upgrade i mean it's still you know oscillator envelope and a filter but i mean there is also a vca and then there is this midi jack so there are like these these things that uh, kind of take the not, not really the center stage but like are like very important to like where you go beyond just um, kind of the analog core of the instrument like you can totally use it without the sequencer you just like don't need to use the sequencer at all mm -hmm. but once you start using the sequencer it kind of gets quite deep and um, yeah i mean i i kind of laugh that uh, you know you can just like do a lot more rhythm variation on this oh my and, god uh, yeah yeah, and, with the uh, fact that you can do the the pitch modulation with an envelope while sending it a sequence so easily and turn it on and off like that that for me is really special and a really like just a a really fun idea that that you can literally do with a flip of a switch on this thing, which is just really nice, you know, or or the push up of fader and and that's why I love how that's going back to that playability of it. It's just like hmm. so well thought out for the users experience using it what like maybe in a lot even in a live setting i could see pulling off like a pretty cool live set with with almost just this thing you know? it, it does <laughs> it does straight like i i have a couple of the 303s and the emulations and stuff and this 
has blown them all out of the water. I mean, I love the tonality of the 303, but this is such a performative sequencer that I, I only will play live with this now. I mean, I'll use other stuff, but I won't play a show without this live. It yeah. doesn't just like, it doesn't maybe work in a live setting. It like thrives. It absolutely thrives in a, in a live setting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That said, it also, I get with it. Yeah. It, it thrives on a, on a, on a coffee table after you've had some edibles as well. And, <laughs> you know, can I be, can personally attest to that. It certainly yeah. does. <laughs> um, we were just working on, you know, we're, we're, we're working on some writing today where we're at the point of we really need to summarize stuff. So it's like, you got to boil all this down to not a two hour interview, but like uh, a two sentence, you know, bullet pointable, quotable. Right. Um, and something that I've really liked that's come out of this is, which it's been floating around, but it was just sort of solidified in a few words is this um, idea that it has this sort of analogy to, it has I mean, the heart and brain being two parts of a whole that mm -hmm. pull it in different directions, but also balance and support each other. So the analog core, it's not just like fat sound, I'm making mm -hmm. little air quotes. It's also the, we've fully embraced the chaotic craziness of of you know hyper complexity of analog feedback um and then the hyper control of this digital brain and they they balance each other they support each other but then they also pull each other in different directions so you end up with this you know digital sequencer that can be very static but it it's so far from like the sort of berlin techno sound of the kind of you know static repeating pattern it can be very fluid and very, you know, analog in, in ways and vice versa, the, you know, the analog synth just wants to pull it back into chaos, but it's, or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which side I'm coming at it from now, but, <laughs> um, but in any case, you know, they, they, they balance each other and, and pull things in new directions, which is really, um, something I'm really pleased of, which is sort of a poetic, uh, I, 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 uh, uh, analogy for the collaboration as well. And I'm not going to say which of us is the heart and which is the brain. Right. Um, you know, I think we kind of switch off on those. Um, mm -hmm. But this is very much a collaboration as opposed to the first one that was large, you know, it was, it was a, mostly my sort of ideals and, and, and fine tuning. And with this, okay. Vatslav has full on brought all of his creative priorities and skills um, and okay. basically he did the whole sequencer section, but there was, so, but you know, as a still, like we've been bouncing ideas of each other, but like, there have been like some like really cool ideas that we came up for this sequencer that I haven't seen anywhere else. So like for me, because like I'm, I'm doing a lot of song songwriting recently and I also sing. So for my music, I, I, I use chord and chord progressions quite a lot and then you know there is this quantizer you have eight user editable scales and you have this eight step sequence so you can so you make eight step sequence and then you can chain the the scales you can chain the quantizer so with every repetition it could be a different chord or like that one repeats three times that one four times that one two times and and you basically like you just step down the chord progression like really easily. So uh, I, I'm not sure if there was ever like songwriter type 
sequencer like ever in a like electronic music maybe that was <laughs> but uh you know it's almost like this i don't know if you know what auto harp is like this like weird instrument yeah we can just push the the button that has the chord name yeah, on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like so kind thing. of like that so so basically you can play it like like an auto harp just by like mm -hmm. changing changing the chords but the but because you can chain them and like sequence them that I think makes like really, really musical. So you can just have like this, like very simple figure, like, you know, the eight steps that like I now more of a think of as a shape rather than, than a sequence. Mm -hmm. And then you can just like run it into the quantizer and that kind of makes the musical heavily thing. Plus before the quantizer, we can transpose it up and down or add some randomness. And it's like all that that's like that's just the core features, you know. And mm -hmm. that's still kind of scratching the surface of the sequencer, but like I, I think that part that like that feels like very much like what makes me so happy about this because I haven't yeah. really seen that anywhere else. Yeah, I, and I going back to the live playability of it is like how you can chain those things together and change those steps and change all of that stuff on the fly so easily too with very few button combinations. And if you forget the button combinations, they're printed on the device for you on the sides, which I think is such a nice touch. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, I think that was sort of embracing. So it was like the trade-off was this is more demanding. Like with the first one, it's like, just do stuff and stuff happens. With this one, you have to know a little bit more. You have to be a bit more precise. But we offset that by just printing it all on the housing. So it's like part of the design. It's part of its identity. But I just want to reiterate what Vatsov said really quickly. Um, you know, the, the idea that like the, a, a conventional or a traditional sequence would be, you know, let's say eight notes. And then if you want a 16 step sequence, you would program 16 notes. And if you wanted mm -hmm. to change chords, you would have to play a different chord. And with this, you can play the same eight note sequence, but then you can actually sequence or sorry, you can play the same eight step pattern of notes, but then you can sequence chains of quantized scales, or you can, you know, you can chain like the playback direction or something like that. So the sequence doesn't have to be changed just by adding more notes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Um, and I've never tried that. And I'm finding it to be like, I don't want to program a 32 step sequence. Like, hell no. I want to make an eight step sequence and then I can just chain the scales together and it makes a beautiful chord progression and there's a song. It's, it's yeah, a very freeing way of making sequences. That sounds awesome. And that's like, I'm thinking of, I'm I'm start I'm starting to get lost in thought of like okay well there goes the rest of my day I'm gonna probably go back it's down to the a day well spent yeah right <laughs> I I had one one question this is like totally off topic but I I'm I'm looking at at it and I just so it's an analog analog with digital control the voice is analog as you move from soft to pop to, all the way to pixel it sounds like bit cre it sounds very digital by the time you get to pixel. Is that just some weird wave folding or is that kind of like so all that's analog still, baby? Still all analog. Wow. I was wondering, I was like, is this fader like slowly fading in a digital signal and like taking the analog out or what? Like that's uh It's crazy, right? It sounds it sounds not analog at all in like the coolest way. That that's that wow, that blows me away. That's yeah, I, I I was so happy when Peter pulled that off. It, it's it's really just like to pull signal modulating the filter, 
it just like doing it a lot and yeah. then just it, it starts start sounding like a eight bit trash uh-huh which yeah I totally it has a bit of a, and... a wrangler vibe to it too like it doesn't sound like the i feel like the wrangler sounds like its own thing but so does this in the same way that they it does you know like it, it's yeah. so cool yeah and we kind of knew we needed to make it voltage controllable so you can just bring it in on certain steps or whatnot, mm -hmm. but uh, I, uh, I I really love this uh, sort of like niche nerdy thing that I think uh, I, I can share on this podcast because <laughs> you're in the right spot. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, that you know, there were analog synths, then there were like the digital ones, and then we started to emulate the the analog synths with the digital technology and that keeps going, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, this is like emulating the digital sound with analog technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like such a like weird nerdy detail that just makes my brain so happy. Well, it was, I was like, as I was playing with it, I was like, well, this is obviously analog you know, there's, there's digital stuff in here, but I knew the voice was analog, but as I was just like, so perplexed, I was like, but that can't be analog. Like that's, that's so cool. That's um, yeah. I also like, I want to just like, while, while I'm, um, while I'm patting you guys on the back for this, I just love the, you have a really interesting, like gate, gate outputs like that. I don't feel like, like the edge, like the edge gate output. And then, um, or what was there was another one that was like it's like kind of interesting like it seemed um the slide gate maybe the slide yeah the slide and the the edge i think are just like really cool like little additions like i love an, any extra gate that's somehow related to the envelopes or modulation that i have in my system is always welcome like it's almost looking for it a lot of the times and the fact that mm. this tiny thing has two of them on there is just i think that's really cool well, it's also got the the envelope gate, the slide gate, the MIDI gate. MIDI gate. Um, MIDI gate. Oh, and, and the then, accent uh, in. The accent in is really cool, too. The accent in is something I'm really happy with as well. Um, and if you turn the, 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 the oscillator down, it has a square wave output, which you can use to trigger things as well. Okay. Um, and there's actually a little bit of... Um, modulation of the envelope from the oscillator. So when you turn the oscillator really low and then the envelope loops really high, you can hear it actually modulates the pitch. There's like these, anyway, not to get too deep there, but there's these inner plays between the different functions that you can discover. But, but yeah, adding a lot of gates was really important, again, to make the sort of, if you want to build musical structures, you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm like one, one thing that I kind of always loved like since maybe the first modules that we made with Bustle was like mixing two or three gates in a mixer and then having this like stepped voltage output mm -hmm. and here is this like crossfader section so you can like patch in two gates mix them and like have this other like stepped output to just modulate something so I, I'm like, yeah, the more gates, the, the better, but yeah, you know, of course you can like do external stuff, but this is one of the patches that I really like. Well, I mean, just having that, that, that crossfader was something that I also wanted to, you know, just say was like a really nice touch. And I feel like as far as semi, semi-modular stuff goes, this thing really like, not like it, I, it, 
I mostly use it on its own right now because I just got it and I'm just really trying to dive into it. But like this thing totally begs you to use it within your your full system. And I think especially for, you know, so many people go out in nature and like to do their nature videos and, and, and have small, smaller setups. Like if you have a, like a modular setup that you want to like downsize and get as compact as possible, like get, bring one of these along and you don't really need, I mean, you could just do this, but, um, but yeah, it's just such a, like a powerhouse. I saw some of the questions that, um, you guys posted on your, your Instagram, you know, Hey, if you have any questions for us on pod mod, send them over and, and you guys sent them over to me. And one person's question was like, how does, how, like, what, what is this thing's job in a full system? And I was thinking to myself, like, um, yes, is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best answer. Um, well, I think we're kind of, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think one of its least sort of celebrated superpowers or <laughs> sets of superpowers is that it also, it, it, in spite of its wild craziness, it also is just really, uh, it's a whole bunch of tools that you can Definitely. use. Mm -hmm. And if you just need a VCA, you just want an envelope follower, a sample and hold, um, there's or a clock divider, you know, on and on and on and on. So I think it can kind of work its way into most patches and most systems, maybe not in its overtly crazy with its bombastic self, but just to solve some problems, it does a lot of that as well. Yeah, that's um, kind of going back to like learning how synthesis worked via using the Benjolin and everything. I think like, like the Benjolin, both of these things, you can do wild crazy you know exploratory experimental stuff but like just a few turns of a couple you know wisely chosen knobs you can get into a very peaceful musical place with it as well and quickly that's that's one thing i really loved about this like i said like the the playability of it with the faders it's like they're really really well laid out just where you could just turn those module those three modulation ones down and all the weirdness almost is gone you know i just it's really and a note to all of the people afraid of menu diving, I think that same playability is applied, albeit with a learning curve, it's applied to the buttons, to the sequencing, to jumping, you know, to diving through all those features. There's no like multi-layered menuing. Well, there's mm -hmm. some little things, but it's all played. You play the menus rather than navigate yeah. through them. Yeah, um, and, and and having it printed on the, on the all around the sides and on the back is just like, I was actually thinking, about that i just had a, a couple friends just get into to modular and i was thinking this would be a good tool for them to to sit with to actually just learn how modular synthesis worked if they just learned how this thing worked and then went to a bigger system i think they would they would hit the ground running you know hmm. yeah and uh like one of the things i want to really bring up is that it's like insanely good sound processor because it does like a lot of stuff. And if you kind of like forget about, you know, the oscillator there for a minute and just like run sounds through it, you have this like sequenceable slicer with, you know, you can add all those ratchets into the sequencer. You have this 
really nice saturation overdrive at the input with the zinras so you can like really overdrive the input then of course there is the filter that is goes through then there is the vca that you can gate with the with the envelopes uh and then on top of that if you bring in the pop modulation that just kind of modulates the filter with the sequencer if you actually take the time and kind of program like the signal that you're running through that it tonally matches with the sequencer it that's like i i haven't seen like that or i i i don't even know how you would do it do this otherwise but you can also like take the triangle output and modulate the vca via the accent input so it's mm -hmm. like sequenceable ring modulator you can also midi control it yeah and uh and because there is this envelope flow at the input, you can also use it to modulate anything. So you can have like auto or like, you know, automatic filter with the envelope flow, or you can even like take the envelope flow output, invert it in the crossfader section and run it into the accent input. And you basically get a compressor slash expander. So. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> should also be mentioned, should also be mentioned that the envelope follower you can use, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you can use it to trigger the sequencer as well yeah. to like oh, cool. set the clock. Oh, cool. So yeah. This could definitely stand on its own as a, as a signal processor. Like you could throw out everything else about it as a synthesizer and it's just a, an amazing processor. I haven't used it that way yet, but that's, I'm really excited to. And at first I was kind of like, well, there are no effects on it. So what am I doing? But once I like wrap my head around it, I was like, oh, this is going to be really fun to send external sounds through. You just um, put a drum beat through it and it's bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Um, one, then, well, sorry, go on. Yeah, also one of the videos we're going to release soon is just like playing bass. And then like basically doing the rhythm on the sequencer and then you can like distort the bass with the overdrive and, you know, and filter it and distort it with the pop. So like we did, the, we, we did a video like that with the bass and that just like, I don't know, we had so much fun making it. It was so cool. Well, bringing it full circle to my jazz bass hanging behind me. Maybe exactly. Back to Fender. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, um, I don't actually, I don't know what time we started, but I'm pretty sure we're over an hour and I don't want to take, I, th I think you guys have a lot to do. You're about to release a, a new product. And um, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but is there anything that we haven't covered or anything that you wanted to to say before we got on that you're like, oh, I, I hope I get a chance to say it. I put a lot of focus on the sort of emotional or esoteric parts. I'm wondering if Vaslov, if there's anything like feature wise that you really wanted to highlight or um, other emotional things you wanted to highlight. <laughs> I mean, the emotional thing we haven't touched on is the orb, is the light show, which is like your signature thing, Peter. And I don't know if you have something to share. Uh, just put your phone camera right up against it, and it makes a crazy, it makes patterns that are magic. Um, you need to switch it to video mode, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's a lot to say about the orb. It's just, it's another way of, like, it says a lot of things about the synth that aren't obvious. I don't know. You mm. just have to play with it. But I love it. I love also that, not that I'll ever use it, because I enjoy, I, the more flashing lights, the better. Um, but 
I like that there's just a little switch where if it's a little too intense for you, you can turn it off. That's really yeah. thoughtful. Well, that was Vatsov. I was like, no switch. That's compromise right there. In effect. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the MIDI we haven't really talked about. I don't know if there is too much to talk about, but uh, like there is this like one thing because like there is like this really crazy sequencer and a lot of like arpeggiation that you can do with this thing that's kind of there. But once you connect a keyboard, like a MIDI keyboard to it, then it kind of like takes whatever you play, like out like as, as an arpeggiated keyboard and it just uses those notes that that's kind of how it works. So if you, if you like, I don't know. So like a latched arpeggio? Is that what exactly? You're yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. But you have like all this like randomness and all those crazy things about the sequencer, but you can just play it with the keyboard. And I, I think it's that's cool. That sounds uh, so. Yeah, cool. it's yeah, it's a bona fide like standalone noise maker, a standalone bass synthesizer, standalone single processor, and a standalone synth voice. When you hook a keyboard to it, it's just a straight up synth voice with crazy okay. arpeggio. Um, so it has many different, it wears many hats or different masks or whatever. It's crazy how much that you fit into this, such a small footprint that doesn't feel cramped, that totally feels usable, you know, like. That's what five years of development looks like. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was looking at it. I was like, this is like, it was like talk, talking about like version one versus version two. I was just kind of thinking there's no way that this could have been a version one, you know, because it's just like, mm -hmm. it's so streamlined and, and, and well laid out. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think people are going to really, really dig, dig this thing. Thank you for sending me one of these things. It's been so much fun. And, um, I can tell it's, it's like, it's, it's part of my kit now, which I'm, I'm always happy Great. to get something new and then be like, Oh, well, this is, this is sticking around. It's not just something I'm going to play with. I mean, like most things I keep because there's just so much good stuff, you know, but, um, this is, this is per, this is like particularly, uh, fits into my setup in a way that like fills some gaps, some pretty big gaps. So yeah, Great. I'm really excited. Um, cool. Well, uh, where, where should we send people? What, any, any calls to action you want to you throw out of here at the end? <laughs> Just, I don't know, go for a walk in a park. That would be mine. That's a pretty good one. I like that. <laughs> and then go to bostel.com <laughs> <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> I always hope I always hope people like hope people say stuff like go for a walk in the park. When I say like, do you have anything just to, is there anything you want to say at the end? I'm always hoping somebody says something like that. So thank you. <laughs> well, actually there is a, there is a dog next to me that kind of tells me like, we need to go to the park. <laughs> right now, so that's not that far. Okay. In lieu of a patch challenge from our guests, because they were super busy releasing a, uh, a new, a new product. So you know, they didn't, they didn't have time and I didn't want to bug them about that. I thought I would make a patch with the soft pop too and share that with you. So yeah, here is my patch that I'm calling soft pop. And one quick note, I had a piece of gear sitting on top of my interface and it was making this weird noise signal, but I kind of liked it. So I left it there. So there's a weird little bed of noise in this. Um, but yeah, here we go.
Right, thank you so much for tuning in. That's our show. Thank you to Václav and Peter for joining me. Go check out this soft pop too. It is um, it's super cool. I'm very, very into it. Don't forget to keep an eye on After Later Audio, releasing a new module this week. I'm very excited. It's called Carve. It's four channels of function generator, envelope generator, VCAs. You can you can get a self-oscillating and use it as a, an oscillator that tracks one full per octave. You can also use it as a filter. So you, And then the VCAs normal into each other, so you can use it as a four-track mixer. Um, you can use it as a full voice because you can feed an oscillating um, you know, VCO signal into another one of the channels to use as a filter to then feed into a VCA to then have triggered by the other channel. So yeah, full voice. Did that make all a bunch of sense? I hope it did. Thank you so much to Patchworks. Go visit them online at P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Also, thank you to Secret Aardvark, my favorite hot sauce, and I'm just so, so thankful to have them as a sponsor. Visit them at secretardvark.com. Thank you to New Systems Instruments. This inertia is an amazing module highly recommend it um and yeah i think that's all 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 i got for you if you want to help out on patreon go visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast i very much appreciate that this week's secret word is cyclops demon or demon cyclops your choice